Yeah, I uh, I ate a burrito this morning, and that's my testing sound. Delicious. Good morning, and welcome to episode 32 of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you for being here. That was just a little preview at the beginning there of the kind of fun you're in for in today's episode. Uh, My guest today is a very fun person, and the conversation went uh, in a very entertaining way. I think you'll enjoy it. Today, my guest is Ben Wardenberg. He is a designer, photographer, animator, maker of stuff. He's also the lead designer of an internet culture magazine called Meme Insider, a printed magazine, not an online magazine, which is awesome. Uh, We get into all kinds of fun stories. Most of all, just his personality really shines through. He's a very talented person. He's very easy to talk to, and he's done a lot of cool stuff, and he shares that with us. So let's get right into this one. Ladies and gentlemen, Ben Wardenberg, here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Good morning, Ben. Morning! How are you? Great. Thank you for joining me on the podcast this morning. Of course, so glad to be here. You ready for a quickie? Oh, always. Attaboy. Um, so, briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Uh, so, I'm a designer who works at a church, uh, but I also am a freelancer uh, doing branding, animation, and I also am the lead designer for a magazine on internet culture. Oh, crazy. What's the magazine called? Uh, it's called Meme Insider. Meme Insider, awesome. Meme a printed Insider. magazine? Oh, yeah. dude, you're speaking to my heart now. <laughs> this is my pride and joy. Yeah, for those of yeah. you who are listening to this, obviously, because it's a podcast, Ben just showed me his magazine. It's beautiful. I'm Level. so proud of it. Level up. That's great. And you were saying before we started recording, your uh, self-taught, been at this for a number of years now? Yeah, the only classes of design I ever took were in high school. Uh mm-hmm. And I was making stuff beforehand, and I'm just making stuff. Uh, and I got started getting paid for it when I was around 22. Mm-hmm. And yeah, aside from the small project here and there, but now I now I work full time as a designer, which is kind of crazy. Never thought that would happen. <laughs> kind of crazy how you just sort of stumbled into it then. Oh yeah. So I want to rewind right back to the beginning then. And what was your childhood like? And do you feel that you had a creative childhood? Yeah, I would say I had a, I just had a childhood. I went all over the place. I played sports. I played uh, board games with the family. I hung out with the, with my friends. But I also did a ton of time drawing. I was a huge sketcher. Okay. Uh, I drew all the time. And I remember that was like the thing that I did a lot uh, when I was like not doing anything. So I used to draw cartoon characters. Uh, did you ever watch VeggieTales? Yeah, dude. Yeah. I, I, there Silly was a, songs there was with Larry. A, yeah, buddy. Um, so the 
Oh, crap, I can't remember the name. But there was a course that I got on DVD, and I learned how to draw all the VeggieTales characters. Oh, and I cool. spent, and I remember like changing the way I held the pencil because every other artist was holding it differently, and was just like, "Well, how do you hold it? I don't know what to do anymore." <laughs> so I remember, and like just thinking about it back now, it's just like I had no idea what I was doing, but all I wanted to do was draw, so I did, and it was awesome. That's cool. I remember, yeah, my teacher uh, in fifth grade had a class on. Uh, take a logo from its existing company and make a new one. And I never stopped doing that. Um, I was so excited on the, on the idea of it. I was still making them a week after the assignment was done. And I think that was like my favorite. Uh, I, I look back on that now and it's definitely where I see it, where I started as a kid, just wanting to make stuff. Um, so yeah, drawing as a kid, always encouraged to yeah, do it. That's when that side of your brain just started warming up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got it. So then take us back to when you first started to notice design out in the world. What did you start seeing? So that's kind of weird because I didn't really notice much until high school. Mm -hmm. Um, Or at least I wasn't I wasn't like functionally aware of it in my head. Um, In in my grade 11 year, we I watched the documentary on Helvetica. Okay. And it was that moment. I was just like, whoa, you actually like think about the typeface and how you make it. I had no idea. It just blew my mind. And that was like when I started falling in love with like the language of design and how to create good things um, and how to keep things modern and clean and have a like, I don't know how else to describe it. That's when I really noticed. Mm-hmm. Um, but before then, it was just like I'm aware that stuff is made, but I had no idea like the kind of time and craft, and that's when I noticed good design. So that then sort of really accelerated your passion for Ooh. that creative field. Oh, definitely. Gotcha. The Helvetica documentary. Yeah, it's a classic. <laughs> so um, what has been the most influential design of your life so far? Either something you've seen or something you've been a part of? Oh, geez. And it seems to just change every month. I don't know. Like, I don't I don't try and follow or be influenced by too many things, which sounds really, really snobby. Um, I just find that I, I, I can be, because I didn't go to school and I didn't do a lot of, um, like, creative studies, mm-hmm. I find myself that I'm easily influenced by a lot of other people's work. So I try and avoid being so, like, engrossed in one people or company's design because mm-hmm. I'm going to go... Well, I'm going to try and be like that. I'm going to try and do that. And I won't even think about it. So I, I love looking at other people's work. If I were to, like, the friends that I've already been on the podcast, Conrad, Raz, Alex, I see all their work, and I'm just absolutely enthralled with the talent they have mm-hmm. and the work that they do. And I'm, and I'm so excited that I get to see that happen. Yeah. If I were to be, like, I, I love seeing the work my friends do mm-hmm. and the people I care about. So after that Helvetica documentary and you sort of started really opening up to that world of design, is there mm-hmm. anything that stands out from back then that really uh, spoke to you further? My teachers. Um, mm-hmm. My graphic design teacher always challenged me to do something different. Um, I remember one of the big things was I was playing around in Illustrator with their 3D tools. Uh, you remember like the, the, the rotation and bevels and everything like that. And I remember he was like, okay, I want you to make a carousel, like a full 3D carousel. And I was working with a friend and just making that whole project together and just being like, 
how do I use the tools to make what I want in my head? And it was like, perfect. I've never done something like that before. And my teacher really pushed me to be that and do that. Mm -hmm. And I think the people in my life that really helped me become a better designer and be more interested in design were the people that pushed me to do better than what I was already doing. Gotcha. How long did that take you to put together that carousel? Two, three days. Um, and a lot of it was my friend had a drawing tablet and she was drawing actual horses. And then when we would take that, I would outline it and then create a 3D object and illustrator for it. And then we would, it was just like, okay, so I have this, I need to create a circle, but I also need to create the lines for it. So it looks like a, like a striped top for the carousel. And then how do I make it look like the top? So I have to create the actual arc of the shape of it and then rotate it 360 degrees in 3d space it was just so cool like oh i'm figuring it out i'm figuring it out i'm figuring it out this is so sweet that's cool yeah the carousel back in school then mm-hmm. still on my facebook i'm very proud <laughs> um so then what's been the most challenging time in your design career so far why was it challenging and how did you get through it mm, it was definitely when I would say the most challenging time when I was doing des- when I've been doing design has been figuring out what I'm worth. Mm-hmm. Um, how do I make a logo for someone and then still pay rent at the end of the whole ordeal? Um, I've been really I really struggle with what I'm worth as a designer, and I've yeah I would say that's my biggest struggle. Um, and it's not, it's like a general whole time as I've been doing this. Cause I remember doing stuff for free for so long. So I didn't know what my time and what my energy was worth. And it wasn't until later that I was really pushed by other people to be like, dude, you're good. You need to charge like a grand dude, at least minimum. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, Oh shoot, really? You could charge that much. <laughs> Cause the scale was so different. Cause I remember it was like, okay, rent's $300 a month. So as long as I charge that. That's perfect. Then I'm fine. And now it's like, geez, now I've got like, now rent's like way over a thousand dollars. And it's just like, well, yeah, well now I have to charge more because everything is more expensive and my life is more, my time is more important and everything is different. I wish I had known that. But along the way, you've also learned more skills, you know, honed Mm -hmm. your craft for, you know, as another way of saying it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so your value has increased. Definitely. It's interesting to see my style grow as well um did you ever play line rider in school no okay so it's this really stupid little flash game where you draw lines and a dude on a sled rides them oh that's cool yeah uh it's a entirely physics-based game um and what was cool is that in the second version of the game they introduced scenery lines and you could draw art all along the track and i spent eight years of my life doing that and you had to draw every single line individually um, from really small to really big. And now my style is this very interesting uh, line artwork. And I get that from playing a flash game in high school and it was just <laughs> making artwork for fun with friends. Yeah. And now that's sort of what I like to do. Just make line work. And that's my job. And like, and now I get to make stuff so I get to incorporate that everywhere. So eight it was years cool of, to see that stuff. Eight years of line writer really sort of, 
pushed you into the, you know, really made you comfortable with the, the line art and the illustration side of things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I have, because I had to make everything by hand, even every single circle and curve was done line by line, not mm-hmm. done with a bezier or anything like that. I'm very, very aware of like what shape this is going to look like way ahead of time because I know how difficult it is to get it right when you're doing just straight lines. Yeah. So it was crazy. So earlier you had mentioned that, uh, you know, you try and avoid looking at other people's work because you could tend to be, you know, you're, you're self-aware enough to know that you're influenced by that um, mm-hmm. pretty easily. So I'm interested to think about or to hear what you think about social media and how it's changed design or the process of design. Um, and do you think that it's beneficial or harmful? I think if I were to think about social media in my personal life, I would say it's harmful in certain aspects. But when I think about it for designers, I think it's a very handy tool to get their work out there. Yeah. Um, um, there's a certain there's certain people I follow on Instagram, and I follow them simply because their artwork is so different than mine, and I think it's so unique and interesting and cool. And I wish I could make that stuff. And but there's also like this um, dichotomy where you see all of this great design in the world, and then you look at your own Illustrator artboard, and you're like, oh my gosh, I suck. <laughs> you see this dude that he pumps out like amazing artwork every day and yeah. I'm struggling to just make a logo for a client because all they want to do is change it. So it's just like, what am I doing with my time and my life? This person makes a logo or a typeface every single day. What am I doing? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's that dichotomy where the people who are doing well on it are doing really well. And the people that are suffering through it are really not enjoying their time and it makes things worse, uh, especially uh, if you're self-taught, you feel like an imposter. Mm-hmm. Imposter syndrome is something I've dealt with so long, where it's like, how, when are gonna people going to find out that I only know what I know because I watched YouTube tutorials to figure out what I'm doing? That's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I can totally see how that would be. Mm-hmm. And you had mentioned in your answer that um, there was some designers that you follow strictly just due to the, the line art and the work that they're putting out mm-hmm. there. Um, so who is a designer or brand that you look up to or closely follow? So first of all, my friends are always the people I look up to. Conrad Stell, Alex Suarez, Raz Kakulia, they're both doing, they're all doing really cool work. Um, Conrad and I will meet up every once in a while and we'll just be like, here's what I'm working on. Here's mm-hmm. what I'm working on. That's so cool. How'd you do that? I love that. Um, so I followed their work closely. There's a student in New York, uh, named Spencer. I don't know his last name, but his, his, his handle Spencer illustrates. And he does this really cool, uh, postmodern illustration of characters. I don't know how to describe it. But it's so vibrant, so unique. I've never seen anything like it. And I want to get him to illustrate for the magazine because his stuff would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm following the artists that we hire for the magazine as well. That's and cool. then animation side, I'm following Cub Studio, Focus Labs, um, and other logo branding companies that do uh, motion graphics because I find that world absolutely crazy. Mm-hmm. So and then how does that relate to um, – or, or where do you think, I guess, the better way to word this, where do you think um, design is going now in this AI, VR sort of world? Uh, I would say uh, – on a macro scale, micro-targeting. 
in terms of design, uh, advertising, marketing, everything's going to get way, way tighter Mm -hmm. to the point where it's kind of creepy. We've already got (laughs) podcasts and episodes that talk about how you'll be thinking or like talking to somebody about a certain product and then bam, it appears on your uh, social feed, which is kind of like creepy and terrifying. And there's good reasons as to why that's happening. But I think micro-targeting and um, more uh, micro-audiences, like this magazine only exists because there's a tiny swath on the internet that analyzes meme culture and treats it like a stock market. Yeah. The only reason this silly joke exists, which started as a joke and now is taken seriously as an actual magazine, only exists because there's a tiny little percentage of people that are willing to pay for a magazine about internet culture and advice on how to post memes on the internet and get a big return on those and with lots of likes or upvotes or something like that. Mm-hmm. And how long has Meme Insider been around? It's been around for about two and a half years, since 2016. Yeah. Um, I joined the design team in July 2017, and then I became lead designer January 2018 uh, after just being really involved in the lead designer stepping down. Mm-hmm. And I've been running the magazine ever since in terms of the design side. And how often do you put the magazine out? Every month. Every month, crazy. Every month. And we do custom illustration. Uh-huh. Every cover is done uh, by a friend of ours uh, for the magazine. We have comics every month uh, by this guy called Bearfelf, who does really weird alternate takes on Garfield, which is hilarious. <laughs> and then I usually do three, two or three articles design-wise myself, and then I have a team of three or four designers that do articles as well every month. So it's my job to uh, make sure I'm leading the team well, making sure everybody has what they need, and then giving the resources to help them succeed and do this design. Because it's all for free for us. We don't make any money yet for it. That's cool. What a yeah. huge undertaking. Oh, it's so much fun. It's it, This is what See, if like, you everyone love it, has a it's project. Not work. Yeah, this is my, yeah, this is my passion project. This is what I love to do. Um, this is what uh, lets me keep working on the projects I hate when I – can sit down, work on a silly magazine, and just laugh at how ridiculous of the fact that I that this is a thing. Yeah. And it's doing so well. So take us to a design or a project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result. What was that like? How did that feel? Yeah, I was working on a logo for a fitness uh, social page or something like that. They were uh, They came to me looking for a logo for them, and I sent... So I'm, I have a problem with like sending like 20 different ideas because I find that it's too distant. So I send like three uh, and variations on all of those. And they get back to me and we spend, we spend about a two months just sort of like ironing it out. And then I get a call from them like three days later. They had gone to some other Yahoo marketing guy and he's like, oh, I don't like that. You should do this instead. And then boom, lost client just because they never bought in to what we were doing. And I think that was probably the most frustrating thing because I spent all this time and effort and work Mm -hmm. to make something. I did research on everything and everything like that, only to be swayed by someone else's opinion who had never bought into the idea. Mm -hmm. That was, ugh, I don't like thinking about that. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) so then in the, in the, you know, moving forward and what did that teach you about your know, client management or, um, you know, expectation control or, or whatever you want to call it, but what, it, what was the lesson from that? All meetings are in person. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, 
uh, I have a better pitch every time. I have a way better pitch and presentation lined up. Um, and I and I uh, and we talk about um, and I and I creatively outline what is it that you want. And here's what I'm going to help you create. But we also need to manage expectations and make sure that you're happy in the sense of that you're buying into the work I'm doing. Yeah, you have to you have to buy into what I'm doing. Um, and if you're just here like Fiverr and you're just there and you're just getting what you want, you're just trying to get your money's worth. You're not going to get actually what you want. You're just going to compromise. Mm-hmm. And that's never going to be good. And you're not going to get what you want. Got it. So the reason the reason I asked that question is not to force you to linger in, in the darkness for a little oh, dude, bit longer, <laughs> but um, really just to because the these less um, sort of the the rough situations that designers and really anybody finds themselves in is always a learning opportunity mm-hmm, and definitely. pulling from the lessons and you know becoming better designers, better people to for our customers, for our clients, and things mm-hmm. is, is really the goal there. Yep. Um, yep. Okay, so I'm going to turn it around here for you, and I think I know your answer, but I want to hear it again. Um, what project have you been part of that you were the most proud of, the one that makes your heart sing or the biggest design feather in your cap? Oh, so, yeah, it's not actually what you think. It was Easter 2019. Okay. Um, our church, uh, have you ever heard of environmental protection? Uh, environmental protection? Yeah. Uh, as, like, protection for the environment or is this like a brand or something i'll explain i'll explain so environmental projection is oh projection um, sorry okay yeah so you take you take a projector and you put it on architecture or something like that and you can uh with software animate onto specific pieces and make it look like it's alive and moving um so for easter this year uh our church rented three projectors put them on the balcony and we animated uh a roughly 175 degree field of view uh, over the entire sanctuary um, for Easter. It was roughly two and a half hours of total animated content. Uh, and it was this insane visual thing. And we, I spent, uh, I, I, I don't know how else to describe it. It was one of the best projects I've ever worked on because I really got to try something new. Yeah. We got to do, we got to experiment with different animation styles. And it was this amazing opportunity to tell stories and, and visually show something that most people only hear. Uh, it was absolutely the best project I've ever worked on. Um, and I think we'll be doing it again Christmas 2020. So That's cool. And yeah. how was that received by everybody there? It must have had a big audience then. Yeah, we had roughly 2,000, 3,000 people that weekend. I can't remember the exact number, but the response was so good. Uh, I remember certain people finally understanding what it means uh, to them. Um, wow. Yeah, and that was that was amazing. If I were to, yeah, and big animation projects are my favorite job because they're just so different and unique, and I love working on them. That's cool. See, I'm glad I asked that question. So, what are you uh, struggling with in your creative career right now? Hmm. Uh, definitely still value and uh, focus. Yeah, I, I find that. Uh, because I just did everything for a long period of time. I'm not a master of anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I do photos, I do video, I do animation, I do layout, I do print, I do like I'll do whatever people pay me to do, and I don't have enough focus to be great at anything yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still young, so like to an extent, like that that's just how you start. But at the same time, I, I lack the focus to get really into being good at one thing right so, now 
So if you had to pick right now, what do you think your your sort of niche down master focus would would be? If it was passion based, it would be layout and animation. Mm-hmm. Um, doing print work, I love doing print, and I love doing animation. Mm-hmm. Um, branding is okay, like, but I find that uh, getting stuck in the details is not my strength. Yep. Um, and I find that illustration's fun, but I don't have the artistic style uh, to get deep into doing really great work. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm, I love animating. I think animation is my favorite job, and I love working on print. Uh, hence the magazine. For sure. Um, so my last question here I want to circle to is what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you could not live without? Hmm. Oh, there's so many. I would say Illustrator, but Affinity Designer is getting real tempting these days. Uh, if I were to pick an actual product, it would be my Stream Deck, uh, my yeah. Elgato Stream Deck, or my uh, Logitech Craft Keyboard. The Stream Deck, I've programmed to be an entire macro pad to do uh, multiple actions at once, copy-paste in the front, or uh, swap colors, or create color themes. And it's all done with scripting that I've made. Uh, and then my keyboard has a little dial on the side, sort of like the palette gear. Mm-hmm. Um, and, it's, and it's got tons of macro control. Uh, and it's really made my workflow feel more tactile and real. I'm not just clicking things or drawing things on the screen. It's now I can actually see it happening with something in forced feedback. And that's yep. that's huge for me. Uh, it, it puts your design in the real world. That's a great one. Ben, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It was really great having you. Of course. So happy to be here, man. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Ben Wardenberg. What a fun interview that was. Be sure to check out Meme Insider. That is a printed magazine that Ben is the lead designer of. It is a very entertaining magazine, and you can get yourself a print subscription and uh, take him up and check out his designs. Thank you again, and have an awesome day.